Okay. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Andrew, for sharing your journey. Amazing job. Outstanding. And, uh, um, you know, we love you. We're super proud of you, and we feel your love. And uh, so happy that God directed you to UW-Eau Claire. And uh, so, awesome. Thank you so much. I do feel that Andrew's a special, special brother of mine, and that we have both walked the way of suffering as a Minnesota sports fan. Uh, we understand this, the look in each other's eyes uh, and the pain that goes with it, but uh, we do believe that each generation brings new hope. And, uh, um, you know, maybe by the time he's my age, that we'll have multiple victories. Amen? Uh, boy, you know, God really works to uh, bring all types of cultures and peoples together. I see, uh, we've already talked about Minnesota sports. I see a Chicago Bears jersey in the front row. Um, can't even, like, look over there. Uh, but then I just look to the right, and I see a Packers uh, uh, jersey. So, you know, um, it's really miraculous how in Christ we can all be one. Amen? Okay, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to do sports analogies as often. I think it's been a while, so. You know, uh, um, I, I don't exactly kn uh, know what uh, Caleb meant when he said that I was the anchor. Um, you know, when I, when I was growing up, we did tug-of-wars. And, uh, you know, for the anchor, you know who they put that? They put the big fat guy as the anchor. So I just, I, I mean, I know I've been, you know, needing to cut back a little, but uh, I didn't know it was that bad. But then I just thought, no, they don't put the fat guy, they put the strong guy as the anchor. So now I feel better about myself. Okay, um, let's open our Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 2. We're going way back. Today is... Uh, and by the way, I also echo what uh, Andrew's grandfather said. Uh, this is the greatest family on earth, amen? God's family, in particular, I think this family right here, I think, is the greatest part of God's family uh, on earth. And I uh, just love you guys a ton. You know, um, 1 Peter chapter 4, you don't need to turn there because you're turning to Genesis, but I'm going to read this. It says, 1 Peter 4, verse 8, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. This is the second sermon in our series on the love of God, receiving and being filled with this love, and giving this God's love to one another. And the title of the series is Beloved Love based off of Ephesians chapter 5, and the title of this sermon in this series is called A Covering Love. A Covering Love. What we're going to do in this series is we're going to study and think about and try to examine, we couldn't examine all the aspects of the love of God, but we can take a few of the big themes in the scriptures about the love of God, and we're going to study them, and we're going to remind and think about how it is that God loves us, and then we're going to work on being filled with this love, so much so that 
This love fills us and overflows to everyone around us, our, the neighbors, our world, one another, even our enemies. Amen? You know, I think that the reason I'm starting with this aspect of God's love is because I believe the number one thing that hinders our understanding of God's love and being filled with God's love and releasing this love into one another is guilt and shame. Guilt and shame holds us back from really getting the love of God. Guilt and shame produces in us a tendency to hide from God and to even hide from ourselves and for sure to hide from one another. And when we're hiding, we are incapable of receiving this love and loving one another. So today, my goal is that we will understand that God's love is a covering love. Learning how to wrestle with our own guilt and shame in the context of Christ's covering love. And then to gain deep conviction on giving this type of covering love to one another, the love that covers a multitude of sins. Amen? So we're going to start here in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to talk about Adam and Eve and the fall of man. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25. This is the very end of the creation accounts in Adam and Eve coming together as one before the fall of man. Chapter 2 verse 25 says, The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Of course, this is talking about physically, but not just physically, emotionally, spiritually. The two were naked, nothing to hide, and no shame. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. But then, chapter 3 comes along. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden. Now, we're not going to go into this too much, but this is an incredible study on how Satan works and how he takes what God says and he slightly twists it and projects motives onto God and deceives us and tempts us into sin. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, or you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die. Come on, Eve. Don't you think God's being a little over the top here? You're not going to... You're so religious. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now that's true, and that makes God sound bad. But there's a reason why God was that way, to protect us. Um, when, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable. See, that's how sin entices us, right? Looks good, it's going to bring pleasure, and I want it. Right? 
That's the nature of sin in its enticement. Um, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Now, whenever we sin, we don't like to be alone. So she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me. And I ate. Isn't that interesting how we find excuses and alibis instead of owning up to our guilt? So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed. I'm going to skip a little bit. And then he said um, to the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. To the Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I command you, you must not eat of it. I don't. Now, don't think the lesson of that is never listen to your wife. That's not God's point. All right? Just making clear. He says, uh, uh, cursed is the ground because of you. So because of sin, there's cursing. But I want to skip down to verse 20. It says, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. The Lord said, man is now, oh, we'll just stop right there. So at the very end of this, God clothed Adam and Eve to cover their shame and nakedness. So a couple things here I want to point out. Adam and Eve, first of all, they sinned, okay? Adam and Eve sinned. And then because they sinned, they saw their guilt. They saw they, what they did was wrong. Their eyes were opened to good and evil, okay? And then they were ashamed. And by the way, this is the exact same thing that happens to us when we sin. They were ashamed and they tried covering themselves. They tried covering themselves with some leaves, and then they hid, okay? But in the middle of this, God did not, if you notice, just poof the, the whole situation. He sought Adam and Eve because he still loved them. And he wanted to be close to them. He called to them. He did hold them accountable. What happened? And he looked them in the eye. He made them tell the truth, okay? They, as they gave an account, they came to the, even though they were blaming others, that they'd sinned. God then cursed the sin, but then he covered the sinners. He cursed the sin, but then he covered 
the sinners. My first point is this. God's love covers sin and shame. God's love covers sin and shame. This is here with Adam and Eve. We see from the very first sinners that they are just like us. Are they not? We see, we think it'll be pleasurable, we desire, and we take for ourselves, even though we know it's wrong. Every one of us has done that multiple times. Can I get a witness from the congregation, or is it just me? Just me and Adam and Eve. No, I know you. I know, I know you, okay? Y'all with me, all right? We've all sinned, but we're in good company because Noah did the same thing, Genesis chapter 9. Noah, an incredible man of faith, amen? Built the ark, 100 years, stood alone, stood for God, stood strong, took a stand, preached righteousness when it was incredibly unpopular. No one listened. They all thought he was crazy. Only eight people in the ark. What a hero of the faith, amen? And yet, from that point on to the rest of his life, hundreds of years, it's interesting, the one thing that God wants to make sure we know about Noah. Genesis chapter 9, dude's a sinner, just like us. He got, grew grapes. What do you do with grapes? Make wine. Okay? And what do you do with wine? You drink it. And what sometimes what happens? You drink a little too much, right? Maybe he was super discouraged. Maybe he felt alone. Maybe he got in a fight with his wife, and he went off mad, and he drove off to the bar. We don't know the circumstances, but we know that he was human, just like you and I, and he messed up, and he got drunk, and he was, it says he was naked in his tent in his shame, and um, he had three sons, Ham came and looked, saw, and then told his brothers on his dad, Okay? But his brothers, Shem and Japheth, looked away. They backed up with a blanket into the tent and covered Noah's shame, covered his darkness, covered his sin. Noah comes to his senses, wakes up, and Ham gets cursed. Shem and Japheth are blessed incredibly. Okay, Because I think it's reflective of who God is and God's love. Moses a hero of the people of God. Yet, Moses struggled with what? What did Moses struggle with? His anger, right? He had a temper, okay? Before he followed God, he killed an Egyptian. And what did he do after he killed the Egyptian? He ran away. Before that, what did he do? He hid it, hid the body, buried it in the sand. So one of the, 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 the main Figures in the foundation of your faith is a murderer who covers it up and then runs away. Why? Because God's communicating to us a message that we've all sinned, we've all messed up, and God covers our sins and uses us still in a powerful way. Amen? Um, murder. God, God cursed the murder. But then God covered Moses and used him powerful. David, King David, man after God's own heart, greatest king in the history of the people of God, struggled with lust, struggled with it. 
many wives, an adulterer, okay? Had adultery with Bathsheba. And then what did he do once he sinned? Tried to cover it up, didn't he? How did he try to cover it up? Brought Bathsheba's husband back, tried to get him to have some time together. And uh, uh, dude was so righteous, he wouldn't even have time with his wife. And uh, uh, then David got him drunk. Still didn't work. David's like, dude, uh, this... At some point, shouldn't he have been convicted? This guy's righteousness versus my unrighteousness. And yet, uh, sent him to the front lines, in essence, murdered him, and uh, God cursed this decision. God made David give an account through the prophet Nathan. God made David pay the penalty. Son uh, uh, um, died, but God covered him and used him powerfully. How about the Apostle Paul? Prideful, zealous, religiously prideful, arrogant, murderer. He gave witness. He ordered the killings of Christians. Um, God held Paul accountable, but then covered his guilt and shame and used him powerfully. Can you imagine the conversations the Apostle Paul had with Stephen's family? Can you imagine talking to his children? The apostles were Stephen's best friends. Paul stayed with Peter for many days. Can you imagine that conversation? I think we're starting to get a little taste of the covering love that defines the people of God, that defines God and the people of God. Are you with me there? You know, uh, um, how? How is all this covered? Does God just look the other way? Look over in Galatians chapter 3. God is just, and God is merciful in love. So how is he true to himself? He can't lie like humans can just lie and look the other way. God can't do that. He has to be truthful. He has to be just. He has to act with integrity. So he sent his son, Jesus as a sacrifice, and I love how Andrew just described. It's not complicated, guys. It's not complicated. Andrew just shared the gospel. I've sinned, and I see what my sin did to Jesus, and I repented, and I got cut to the heart, and I got baptized into Christ, and now I'm a disciple. Galatians 3, verse 26. It says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. God provides Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, to do both, to take our curse. There's two sides of the cross. We like to focus on the merciful side, the, the form fuzzy side, the forgiveness side, right? But there's another side. It's the wrath of God side. It's the penalty of sin side. It's the nails. It's the bloodshed. It's the suffering. That is the only way the Father could forgive you and I is by transferring our sin and penalty onto Jesus so then he could also transfer onto us his mercy and love and grace. Because of anything we have done, please, of course not. 
only because of what Jesus and God has done. God provided the skin for Adam and Eve. God provides the covering in Christ for you and I. You know what? Uh, I, uh, I struggle. I'm uh, oversensitive. I'm prideful. I can be timid, lustful. God has held me accountable. God has cursed my sin and then clothed me with Christ. And someone as sinful as me, he can still use. Amen? You too. You know, uh, um, this whole uh, cycle of sin and covering up and shame and yet held in, being held accountable, God works this system all throughout life. I remember as a child being stealing that candy from the grocery store, a little butterscotch piece. I remember that because yesterday, because was the first time I think I intentionally knew something was wrong, and I just, oh, the, oh I love butterscotch. This looks so good. So what did I do? So good. Guess what? God made sure happened. <laughs> Absolutely did I get caught. And guess what I had to do from my blessed sweet mother? Boy, you're going to that grocery store owner and you're going to confess. What? Three cent butterscotch. I don't care how much it was. And so here I am. Hi. I stole some butterscotch. And the look on his face, oh, right? Held accountable and made to pay for it, and rightly so. Um, God makes sure that we are put in situations where we get busted. God does just going to, God makes sure that we get busted in more than once. Uh, you know, I've told this story before. I asked Jordan if I could tell it again. She said, well, I'm sure everyone's heard it, but that's fine. Uh, I know, but it's so good. So Jordan was a little girl, uh, still a little girl, my little girl, but she was even littler once, and uh, uh, she liked cookie dough. She liked cookie dough, and so we told her, though, no more cookie dough. You know, like two rolls is enough for one hour, okay? <laughs> that was a little exaggeration. But no more. And, and, it's, isn't it, and every parent knows this. Isn't it funny how quiet everything gets? Whenever the house is too quiet, I'm like, I'm going to go investigate. <laughs> right? Are you with me? Time for bust out dad. Dad's going to bust some, some sin going on here. Okay? And I walked in the living room, and all of a sudden, it's like, and George, I'm like, oh, boy. I was like, hey, Jordan going on sweetie <laughs> nothing I'm like oh okay good well you didn't have any more cookie dough did you right nope and then the dog comes around the corner <laughs> my helper dog comes in right by Jordan starts sniffing under the couch like starting to dig under there. I'm like, Jordan, what's, what's Ellie? What's Ellie looking for there under the couch? A pen? 
A penny? No. Dog busted her. Right? Cookie dough hid under the couch. God just makes sure. But that's just like me. It's just a chip off the old block of mama. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? It's just like all of us. It's what we do. It's what Adam and Eve did. But, but, but we hide. We sin and we hide. And there's shame and there's guilt. And it keeps us from the love of God. Unless God in his grace busts us, holds us accountable, convicts us, uh, and we pay an appropriate penalty, which Jordan did, and then we're reunited. I don't want to bust her in her sin. I want to be close to her. And I know that it's the sin and the guilt and the shame that will stop that and shut the whole process down. And so I've got to, as a good dad, do something about it. And God, as a good father, does something about it in our lives. Maybe he's trying to bust you today. You're too guilty. You're too shameful. You're not doing this in the context of Christ. You're doing it in the context of Satan who wants you to stay hidden. You know, uh, um, where are you at today? Are you sinning and hiding, trying to cover yourself with some lame leaves? It doesn't work. Are you being held accountable but feel discouraged about it? Listen, uh, um, don't be discouraged. That's a gift that God gives you. Do you need to be baptized into Christ? Not for, for real, not just as a ceremony, not just as a religion, but really having been cut to the heart. And then are you receiving your covering? A lot of us, we can be like, oh, I'm guilty. Oh, you had me. Me too. I'm guilty. I'm so gosh. No, I'm just. No, have you, are you receiving your covering and living in the condemnation-free context of Christ? And that's my second point. They'll go quicker. They better. Okay. Release your shame and receive your covering. Paul, how challenging was it to receive this grace? And he, there's insight into Paul's wrestling with this. In Romans 7, verse 24 through chapter 8, verse 4. We don't have time to read it all. But this is something that just, we don't just get like that. It's something we got to wrestle with we got to wrestle with our sin and our guilt and shame and wrestle with this grace of God to get filled up with it. Are you with me there? And if you're not wrestling with it like the Apostle Paul does here, then you're settling for an incomplete filling, and it's going to be hard for it to overflow. But Paul was a couple, few points keys to this. Paul was honest with the good and the bad of his heart. Some of us, we're only honest with the good. Oh, I'm good. I've got a good heart. I've got good intentions. And we're just defending and propping up this super good, amazing person. But we don't think about the bad. And some of us, on the other hand, oh, I'm a wretch. I'm lazy. I'm lustful. I'm horrible. I'm no good. I'm bad. And we got it down that we're a sinner. Had me at hello. Had me at tss, Okay? <laughs> right? But you don't, you're not being honest with the fact that you're created in the image of God. God is in you. And when you're covered, those things are covered. Are you with me there? Paul was honest with the good and the bad. He concludes, the end of chapter 7, a desperate need for a Savior to rescue him. One of the things that I will always be repenting of is lust. From as early as I remember, I've struggled with this. And I've, you know what I've started praying in the last, I don't know, number of a couple years? God, rescue me. 
My prayer, God, is rescue me from this flesh. Because you know what? I can't rescue myself. I can't rescue. Now, I do a lot of things to repent. But the bottom line is I need a Savior who will come and pull me out of this muck and mire of the flesh of my. Are you with me there? Uh, rescue me. Create in me a pure heart. Because I've tried to be pure hearted on my own. And I can't be. Create in me a pure heart. Rescue me from this body of flesh. And God has produced great victories in my life through this. Amen? Um, uh, humbly, he released the sin and shame onto the cross of Christ and then humbly received the covering from the cross of Christ. This is Romans. And we do this in adult faith, in repentance and lordship in baptism, and then every single day after that. And then to celebrate a condemnation-free life. We're so, too, too many of us are so concerned that we might get prideful that we're afraid to celebrate the cross and its results in our life. Amen? We're too afraid to do that. The cross humbles us, doesn't make us prideful. If you are feeling that, don't worry about it. If you would have gotten prideful, you would have never gotten the cross. But the fact that you got it, let yourself enjoy. Did, it, did, did you say enjoy the love of God? The covering. It's good news. Celebrate, worship, skip. Yeehaw, right? Banquet, dance. Okay? Celebrate. Release your shame. Receive your covering. And lastly, share your covers. You know, this isn't weird or anything, but when I was like a little kid, we would sleep, you know, in the same bed. And don't you, you always had a brother or sister who would steal the covers, right? And it's just like, give me those covers, and you have a big wrestling match, right? Well, I was the youngest, so I always lost. So I was just cold. Yes, share your covers. So you've been covered. But are you allowing your love to cover a multitude of sins in the people around you? If you're not, let's read Matthew 18. And this is a challenge. This is challenging. God actually calls us to receive this love and then to love one another the same way. You know what? We don't have time to read all this. It's the parable of the unmerciful servant. I'll just conclude. Guy owns, guy owns, owns millions of dollars. Be patient with me. I can't pay it back yet. He says, okay, I'll cancel your debt. Oh, thank you. Hallelujah. Covered by the grace of God. Go over here. Someone owes him a few dollars. Pay back what you owe me. Pay it back. This was wrong. You owe me money. Justice be done here. So people say, like, dude, whoa. And they go back to the original big daddy and say, here's what happened. So the guy's like, come on back here. And he concludes this. And he says, uh, um, uh, verse 32, the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? See, he expects us to treat others the way he treats us. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. 
This is how the Heavenly Father will treat you, each of you, unless you forgive your brother from your heart. A lot of times we get, in our culture, we are so consumed with the love of God, we don't even see God as He really is. Here, this Father is saying, no, that's not okay. And you're going back to jail. He says, we got how we treat each other after we've received this message is very important because God notices how we treat one another. Um, Luke 7, 47 says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. How hard is it for you to forgive those who've sinned against you? And by the way, how many times? It's up to seven times? And the implication is, is in one day, seven times? Oh, I, can't, I can handle six, but not seven. Jesus is like, oh, no, no, no. You got the wrong digits going on. Seventy-seven times, and some translators go 70 times seven. But those of you who are English majors, that's 490. Okay? Wow, that was an inside joke. Okay? wasn't very funny. All right. Forgive me. Okay, thank you. Um, our job is not to bring justice, but to be merciful, to cover. God's job is to handle it. God's job is to see it, that it be done. God can do his job just fine. Our job is to be merciful, to cover um, one another. Paul, Jesus said this, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He was on the cross when he said that. Paul, everyone deserted me, 2 Timothy 4, may it not be held against them. You have Jesus and you have Paul sharing the example of forgiveness, of incredibly hurtful things done against them. I get concerned when I hear things about the church. Well, the church did this to me. Uh, and, and, you're, and therefore... What did the people of God do to Jesus? Put them on a cross. People, the church is made up of sinful people. They sin. You will be sinned against. I love how Andrew loves the church. That's awesome. Dude, you're a rookie, okay? The church is going to hurt you bad at some point. But decide now what are you going to do. Are you going to let that love of God cover? Or are you going to be like, I thought this was God's church. I guess I'm out of here to go find the true one. Are you with me there? We can't do that. It's a covering love. Our fit, we need to give a covering love to our fiscal families. We need to give a covering love to our friends because they will sin against us. A covering love to our spiritual family. A covering love to the lost. A covering love to the poor. And a covering love to our enemies. How do we treat people that don't think like us, talk like us, and have the same values? Is it a covering love? This is what we're called to be. Just as I have loved you, as Jesus said, so you must love one another. Jesus just didn't love his friends. He loved his enemies. Amen? If we have this kind of covering love, we're going to know the love of God. We're going to be filled with the love of God, and that can be filled to an overflowing to all the people 
around us. Amen? Love you guys. Let's keep learning about the love of God. At this point, we got uh, um, Jared coming up, contribution, offering, and then uh, um, whatever he's going to do. <laughs>